Welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. In this episode, I got the honor to talk to New York Times bestselling writer Kevin Scott. Scott is the author of the Shadow Service series, as well as Titans United for DC Comics, the upcoming series The Ward for Dark Horse Comics, and the highly popular Star Wars The High Republic novel The Rising Storm, as well as Tempest Runner and The Great Jedi Rescue. He is also the writer of Legendary and Netflix's next chapter in the Pacific Rim series with Pacific Rim Blackout, which is the prequel to their new animated series, Pacific Rim The Black. Now, we had a great dialogue about his process, his love of, and challenges in writing licensed properties, as well as what he's working on next. Uh, Give it a listen, and let me know what you think by leaving a review or a comment. So without further ado, here is Kevin Scott. Mm -hmm. I've been a huge fan of your work uh, for years. Oh, thank you. And... Especially everything with the the High Republic and uh, and things like that. So um, I really wanted to to talk about Pacific Rim. Yeah, uh, sure. No, that's always good. So um, you don't mind. Um, so my first question is: uh, so you you know you've been writing uh, prolifically for years across like multiple genres and properties. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide to uh, jump into the world of Pacific Rim? Like what uh, what about Pacific Rim? Uh, was something that you decided I, I want to uh, write something for? Um, I think it was the moment I saw that first movie. Um, so I'm a massive Del Toro fan um, and I'm a massive monster fan. I think as anyone has read any of my work knows that. Um, and also giant robots and mechs. So it was, it was the perfect, it, it was basically inside of my brain anyway. And so I saw the film, I, I think I watched it about three times in the cinema. Absolutely loved it. Um, went big time into like reading all the interviews everything about it um and then um got to know robert um napton at legendary um through a mutual interest in doctor who actually um not so much of a professional thing at first um and he happened to mention that they were looking for someone to take over this or the pacific rim comics um you know since they were bringing it was about the time of the second movie coming out and they wanted a comic that would bridge the gap between the two movies um and he mentioned it to me at San Diego Comic Con one year and I pretty much bit his arm off immediately and just told him that he had to give it to me and this was why and he probably looked a bit scared at that point as I started to barrage him with facts about why it should be me writing this um because yeah it was a world that I really wanted to play in because I loved it so much and so yeah that's how the first series which was Aftermath came about um which as I said was the bridge between those first two movies um and sort of telling the story of what happened to the world in between the two um kaiju incursions right so with blackout was that a um because you wanted to be part of that world was it a story that uh you hadn't wanted to pitch or was it something that hey we're gearing up for this new series and this is kind of the these kind of the things we want to uh, get audiences uh, ready for before we begin it. Uh, so how did how did the I guess the pitch process for Blackout? Um, it was it was lovely that it was a case of. So I think by then I'd, I'd worked on three Pacific Rim projects, and and Robert came back to me and said, "There's this new series coming," which I think I'd I'd become aware of as soon as it was announced, obviously. Um, and um, Ledry came to me and said, "Again, we need we need a, a way to bridge the gap, um, and this time you'll have proper." 
um, Jaegers and Kaiju to fight with because the the trouble the series that I've done before was sort of set in that period between the first two films when actually there aren't any Kaiju, so I had to be quite creative in in the way I'd get them in there. Um, and so they they came to me and said, "We need a, in effect, a prequel to the to the anime series, um, telling the story of how the blackout happened." Um, in Australia um, again we would like there to be a link to the original movie as well so fans have that sense to, that it is all one big world um, would you be interested it just so happened I was over in LA I, I live in here in the UK I was in LA um, working on another project at the time and I was able to go into Londonbury and meet the guys who were working on the on the TV show see some of the early footage see some of the anima- uh, animatics um, and and yeah and it just seemed as soon as they said that they wanted me to tell the story of Herc and how we, you know, led into into the series, I knew that's something I wanted to do because it was character I hadn't done much with, but I loved from the first film. Um, and I wanted to know where he was and how he got to that point as well. So, yeah, that was the process. So from that, um, I was we talked through what the, the series needed to be. We talked through the points it had to get to, um, you know, with obviously the fact it's telling the story before the cartoon. Um and it was then a case of going away and coming up with a story and proposing it to the team. And that was both to the comics team and also to the, the team working on the show. That's one of the things I, I actually really enjoyed about Blackout is that it is so like character focused. It has mm. really great uh, like family dynamics and things like that. Was that something that you wanted to make sure that you brought you bring it across because I, I I would presume that it would be easy to just kind of write a big you know kaiju versus uh yeah. Jaeger story but what makes Blackout so unique is that it is so character focused like you get to know these people even you know beyond Herc you get to know uh these people and the politics and mm. and feel for them and that's one of the things I enjoyed about it did you did you want to kind of uh get people get readers immersed in the story and the characters before kind of hitting them with the, before they get into the action of the animated series? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that Pacific Rim has at its heart is the characters. And for me, one of the things that comes home every time I watch that film, and I do end up watching it a lot, it's one of my go-to comfort movies, um, is the relationship of Herc and his son. And, and so I think that's why I identified with that character so much. And I wanted to explore what his life would be after, you know, it, it was a good way to explore survivor's guilt a bit as well. You know, here's a, a person who was a, a ranger, who was a, a very good ranger, one at the top of his, his class. Um, and he'd literally seen everyone else fall along the way. And he's still there battling along at the point where they're facing their biggest failure and their biggest disaster since, you know, the, um, the incursions of the Kaiju first started. Um, and so that's why it had to be a character-led piece. And yeah, you obviously want to write Kaiju versus Jaeger. You want to you write the fight scenes and, and you want to write entire se- sequences with buildings getting smashed and all the stuff that you love in these movies and these kinds of stories. But without that heart in the middle of it, I think it's quite difficult um, to, to maintain that for an entire... Um, graphic novel because that's the thing I was facing with this as well I knew it wasn't going to be a a mini series you know with monthly um, issues coming out it was a a novel it had to feel like it had that kind of weight to it Um, and so yeah so that's when I explored you know could I give Herc another member of his family that you know he would 
he would have to stand up to and and and, and prove himself to over and over again. And and from that, the rest of sort of the expect the extended family of his partner and his partner's fam- family all rolled rolled out from there really. Yeah. Do you ever run into an issue kind of breaking a, a story like that, like a big story like that, when you have like other things that you're working on? Do you ever do you have to um separate yourself from the rest of your work to kind of concentrate on a specific thing? Or do you kind of work in in shifts? Like I'm working on Pacific Rim uh for this period of time and then I'm working on Star Wars this for this specific time and yeah. things like that. Like I, try I, mean, I guess to. kind of how how do you I'm sorry I, I was just saying how do you how do you kind of uh, focus your time on on the projects you're working on? I try and do exactly that, and so I'm quite meticulous in my planning. And this is one thing that um, the team at Legendary know. I'm I'm forever sort of saying, what's the schedule? How much time have we got? What you know? What room have we got to move so I can dedicate time to to it? Because there are days today, for example, I've had a day when I've been mopping up lots of different bits of work, and I've been doing a bit of rewrites on one script and then I've had to check some letters on another another project and you get days like that but today has been the kind of day when actually it's just a case of like clearing the decks if I'm especially when I'm breaking a story uh, and really trying to work out what it what it's about and who the characters are I need to give that a big chunk of time because it's like anything when you you have to change gears you have to think about you know get your head in a different space um and so i try whenever possible and i do work on lots of different properties including my own properties as well but i try and you know so um for the next two days for example i'm going to be working on shadow service which is a series of mine and i've got two four days when i just concentrate on that um and you can't always do it but it's it's def- it's how I try to work. I used to do a thing that I would do a couple of hours on that and then a couple of hours on this. Um, but you spend so much time in that changing gear that you don't actually get down to the, you know, to the deep focus of having to really work. Um, so yeah, whenever I possibly, I, I start my month, I work out what I'm doing and I literally have a calendar in front of me and I block out the days. That's Pacific Rims, that's Star Wars, that's my stuff, that's development time, that's traveling. Um, so I know exactly what's coming up and I know I can dedicate the time there's got to be a bit of flexibility and movement in there because for example on on this project it could have been that something happened in the show it meant we had to rethink something in you know in in the story and I have to have the ability to say right okay so I was going to work on that today I'll shave that shelve that so I can go back onto Pacific Rim but yeah largely I work in big blocks of time that I, I hope can be as much as a day um, or more um, so I'm not I'm not sort of fragmenting um, my own brain, <laughs> you know, because it's, you do have to sit there. Everything has a different tone and you don't want things to start to bleed through and for everything to feel the same, you know? And again, I, I do a lot of different work for different ages. So some days I could be writing for, for kids. The next day I could be writing something that's quite hardcore horror for adults. Um, and again, you want to make sure you're in the mind, right mindset and you're not letting that bleed in too much to each other. Uh, and uh, you touched on it, but I was uh, kind of leading into uh, another question I had, is, is especially as far as like writing uh, for other properties. What what are uh, beyond um, just you know changes could be made in scripts? What are some of the other uh, challenges you might face when uh, writing a property that's not your own? Well, the biggest thing is literally that you don't own this, so there has to be a point where you really believe in the story and you want to tell the story you know I I have done work in the past when it's something that um, I'm not necessarily 
known, a property I'm not necessarily known very well, but I have to make sure that I get involved and, and do the research because otherwise if I don't care about it, I don't think I'll tell a very good story. So, um, but you have to remember that said that these these are these are properties that do belong to, to other people and sometimes to big production companies who have lots of different things happening with those properties at the same time. I mean, Star Wars is a great example. You know, how many Star Wars projects are going on at any one time? Well, the answer is lots. And so you have to be prepared to come up with a story, um, believe in that story, and get knocked back a bit because actually something else is happening somewhere else in the universe or, you know, you can't do exactly that thing. And you've got to work out, well, is this a hill I'll die on or can I find a compromise or have I got to go, okay, fair enough, I'll start again. Um, and it's probably a combination of all three. So, you know, sometimes you go, you, you do stick your heels in a bit and go, no, I think we should do this. And you explain it, why, you know, why that's the case and you fight for it. But you always have to prepare that someone eventually could say no, um, because at the end of the day, it is theirs. Working on your own property is everything very different. And sometimes when I do that thing of changing gears and moving on to one of my own projects, I sometimes forget that I am the one that says at the end of the day, yes or no. So, you know, I go, who have I got to ask about this? Oh, no one. OK, that's weird. Moving on. Um, and sometimes you want that because you want someone to be able to tell you yes or no, because actually the guardrails that are put in can cause the most creativity because you have to problem solve. So um, there was, I mean, I can't go into too much detail, but there was stuff on blackout for Pacific Rim, of stuff that I really wanted to do, but couldn't touch on because it would affect other things happening in the franchise. And so I knew I still wanted to tell a particular story, but I couldn't do that. So how could I make sure the story still made sense? Um, and you know what? Most of the time, the things you come up with in that situation are far more creative because most of the time when you go down, I want to go down this route, your your mind immediately goes for the easy answer because, you know, it, it's especially if it's a, a universe you love and you know really, really well, there are certain tropes that it's very easy to fall into. Um, and they're tropes that work, which is why they're, they're beloved in, in whatever the universe is. And sometimes someone saying no to you means that you go, OK, I can't do that. And you come up with a, a fresh idea that you would never have thought of before. So that's um, that's the good side of it. It is a challenge working in IP work, working in franchise work. You do have to sometimes check your ego at the door because you're working as part of a team. And I think that's why I love this kind of work, because it it, it it taps into the reason I love writing comics, the, love, the reason I love writing scripts, whether that's for audio or, or screen, is because you're part of a team at that point. Um, and so it's not just you hammering out words on a, on a, on a typewriter or a keyboard. So, um, yeah, so there are obviously cons to any situation like this, but the pros completely outweigh them. Well, I would, I would, I would presume so. And that's one of the things I, uh, I, I enjoy about your writing it again leads, leads me uh, to ask you as far as like uh, tone because I like that I can that I can uh, read a very character focused family uh, centric mm -hmm. very conflict driven uh, story like uh, like blackout and then at the same time uh, you know read a very different tone in, in the humor of like Titans United or mm -hmm. uh, things like that so how do you I mean, it's probably 
esoteric to have, but is, is it like a mind, like a mindset shift when you go from one project to another? It's like, okay, let me like uh, let me get into the mindset of uh, uh, of a, a, a Titans comic versus a uh, Civic Rim comic versus a Star Wars comic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always thinking about your. It's a very thin line. You think about your reader and your audience and you're not necessarily writing for them as in you don't want to give them exactly what they want because they don't half the time know what they want from a story they have an idea of what makes Pacific Rim what makes Star Wars what makes Doctor Who what makes Titans um and you need to hit all those moments you need to there has to be a sense that you are writing something that would fit it within the world um so that's important. But when I say you, 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 you're writing for the audience, you, you're right. It's what you want the audience to feel. So Titans United is an example. Um, when I was writing Titans United for um, DC Comics, um, which if you don't know is the roster from the TV show, right. but imagine if what if that was actually within the DC universe. Um, and DC were great actually because it, it's not canon it's not tied into current continuity. It was like, write the ultimate Titan story for that group of characters. Um, and the thing they said to me right from the beginning is go back to the source and go back to the new Teen Titans of the 80s. So that was just like a joy for me because that was my Titans. And so I went back and, and read the um, the Wolfman and Paris series. Um, and what I got from that when I started to plan the story and actually for Titans, I had a real shopping list of what I had to put in. There was so, I had so many villains that I had to put in I, in so many different scenarios I had to put in. and I had to make it feel like a cohesive story. Um, but the one thing I kept in mind is that I wanted to feel like that early run as much as possible, but without making it hopelessly nostalgic, you know, so it felt like a modern comic, but you had the banter of the original Titans run, which is what I love. You know, you have the some of the character traits. The Beast Boy I write is very much the Beast Boy of the early Wolfman run. Um, but again, I didn't want it to feel out of place. So I just kept coming back to what do I want the readers to? I want them to have um, teamwork. I want them to have adventure. I want them to have banter. And so everything came from that. With Blackout, what I wanted them to was to experience the emotions of being in these incredible situations and being a uh, a man who in Herc who is literally spent his life riding around in giants um, and has lost so many people along the way and what that would actually feel like and and knowing it's his final mission in a way knowing that his time has come and in in many points in the story he's completely told your time has gone and he's still pushing to have that one last adventure so for Blackout yeah it was very much it was it was focusing on those key moments. And I think before any project, I try and work out what those key scenes are. So for Blackout, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's a moment where um, he comes, he, fa- he has a niece who works um, with him. Um, there was a key moment I wanted between them. There's a key panel that I knew had to happen. In Titans, again, there was a, a interaction between Superboy and um and red hood that i knew had to be the heart of it the high republic which is obviously a series i've been working on um with lots of publicity recently um as we recorded this this is the sort of final day of the first phase the entire 15 issue run is based on one spread um that uh, we saw we see in the issue that came out today and the final page i knew that was where we were heading so for whatever i do i always try and focus on what's that 
in my mind, iconic moment. And now it might not be an iconic moment for everyone, but it's the thing I use as my North Star for the entire story. Um, and once I've hit that, the tone and the feel and the emotions usually sort of like ripple out from that moment. And so, yeah, and it, that's definitely part of my process, no matter what I'm working on, whether it's my properties, other pro people's properties, you know, a franchise at Star Wars, a franchise at Pacific Rim. Back to when I was working on Doctor Who before, it was finding those key moments in every story and working towards those. One of the things you were, were talking about it, uh, before was about uh, your ego. How does that uh, work when uh, when collaborating on on stories like uh, Blackout and Star Wars? And how important is uh, collaboration to that process? Like, how do what do you, what do you get from it, and what do you feel you contribute? Um, I think it's as I said, there is a moment when you have to check it, um, uh, your ego, at any point in the conversation, and it you have to become quite you know willing to to take a step back but then you also have to know the points you want as i said the points you want to fight for in a story um when it comes to collaboration that for me personally that means everything i, I mean i've worked on when we talk about comics i've worked on some comics when i don't know the artist and i don't know who the artist is going to be when i'm writing it um and for me those are always the least satisfying projects because I want to write to the strength of the artist I'm writing um, with, and especially if it's a long run um, or a big project like this project for Blackout. I on with Nelson. I could, I, I I very quickly learnt from talking to him, from looking at his original sketches, the kind of thing Nelson likes to draw. The kind of thing Nelson is very good at drawing. The kind of things that would challenge him. And so again, that's another thing that sort of like gets you. You know, that that tone at the center of the story it gets you to that point um and i always try that when my scripts go in there's usually at some point a note when i apologize for something that is very quickly for me quick for me to write and awful for an artist to draw um but there's also at some point a note that says this is what i'm thinking if they're really lucky there's a really bad sketch with it um but then the next line is always you will have a better idea come back to me and you know and that's always part of the process. And, you know, one thing I think not a lot of people who know about unless they work in the business is that quite often you get art back after it's all completed. And then the writer on most projects will go through and run through the script again to make sure that it fits with the imagery, to make sure the storytelling lines up and it gives you that chance to fine tune it. Um, and all of those things have been a conversation. So there will be some points where an artist will come back and say, what about this? And there'll be points where you go, I'm really not sure about that. This is why I made that choice. Can we stick to that? Or can we move what you're suggesting a little bit more towards that? But at other points, you're like, no, absolutely go for it. I mean, a good case of point is Shadow Service, which I talked about earlier, which is my series from Vault, which I, um, I, 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 Corinne, the artist on that, she wasn't attached to it at first. She came into it. Um, I worked with Corinne Howell before on Star Wars, um, and I, I'd forgotten when we started working together how much of a monster fan she is and how much she likes drawing demons. And while that was a part of the series, it, it's become far more a part of the series because she started responding to those pages so well and started coming up with so many ideas that I realised that we could push it in that direction. And so that's a great example of how actually the series we've got now is very much our series, whereas it was my idea and then we brought Corinne in. Um, 
that dynamic changed really quickly. And I'm very glad it did because what we're doing now is far more exciting because we both bring something to the table. Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, Shadow Service? Like, it sounds like a, a really interesting uh, story. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know but yeah. No, no, no. Shadow Service is the inside of my head because it's um, everything I was obsessed with growing up. So I'm a Brit. And therefore, I had to be obsessed with James Bond. Um, I was obsessed with um, spy stories and detective stories. I was obsessed with monsters. Largely, I mentioned Doctor Who a couple of times. Doctor Who was massive when I was growing up in the UK um, to a similar state of what it's been recently. And it was all about the monsters. It was all about scaring um, people. And it was because of Doctor Who that led me into watching Hammer Horror films, watching Universal Horror films, watching Godzilla Um because the that series was so influenced by so many they they wore their influences on their sleeve you know and they did the frankenstein story they did the dracula story and so then i went out and found out what the source material was if you like um and and yeah it, it was those those stories that i started to tell as a kid about james bond fighting monsters basically um and so for years I had this idea of a British secret service, which was MI666, which dealt with the supernatural, you know, and it was influenced things as then like Hellboy came along. And so there was a bit of influence in that. There was a, a British series over here called Ultraviolet, which was um, agents going up against sort of clerical agents fighting vampires that w- went into my, sort of the, the melting part. And for years, I tried to write these stories about this agency, MI6666. Um, and then I was talking to Vault Comics about doing something with them. And in the conversation, I pitched, what about Tinker Tailor, Soldier Witch? And they went, what is that? And I went, I don't know, but I will do. Um, and it became Shadow Service. So Shadow Service is the story of Gina Meyer, who is a witch. She has been using her powers on the street for years as a detective to find people, um, as a lot of witches historically, you know, used to do, helping people, finding people, being the sort of cunning folk in the community. Um, and she comes up on the radar of MI666, this sort of secret service for supernatural defence, um, and is recruited for them as their, late, their latest agent. And it goes from there, really. And all the agents in the service of people who've been damaged by supernatural means. So you've got one character called Coyle, who is a ghoul who was cursed by a witch, so has a bit of a problem with witches and therefore has a bit of a, a problem with Gina. Um, he can He's the ultimate inf- infiltration. He has to, being a ghoul, eat dead bodies to survive, um, but he then becomes them. So, you know, if they assassinate someone, you can eat the body and go into the field as that person. You've got um, Ashi, who's an assassin who literally has a heart of stone. That heart of stone happens to be a philosopher's stone, meaning she's very emotionless but never dies. And so all of these people have sort of thrown into a mix um, fighting this um, demonic presence that's trying to attack Britain. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it is the stories I've been trying to tell pretty much all my life. Um, it's a lot of fun. There are a lot of monsters. There's a lot of banter. As in, if you like my the writing in Teen Titan, the Teen Titan series, the Titan series, I've been writing Titans United, and the banter back and forth. There's a lot of that in the book. It's definitely not an all age book. Um, you know, there are elements of it that, that push it um, higher. Whether that's the horror content, and as I say, since Corinne's been involved, that's been increased tenfold, which I applaud her every step of the way. Um, 
but again very much at the heart is this it's a story of uh, someone who, who's finding out who she is so we've done 10 issues so far it's coming back in april with issue 11 which is the the beginning um of a new arc called death to spies if you're a james bond fan you might recognize that phrase um it comes from vault comics first two volumes are out now um uh, mission um no the first one's called um dark arts the second one's called mission inferno infernal um and yeah i love it i love that book so much it's my happy place it's the, the where i go where everything else is getting crazy i i spend some time working on shadow service and yeah it's very very special to me well that's awesome i i look forward to the new arc and mm-hmm. i want to uh thank you again uh for, for being on the show no, thank you now, uh if you wanted people to follow you on on social mm-hmm. media where can they uh where can they find you um, they can find me at my website, which is kevinscott.com, and you can find me far too much on Twitter, um, at Twitter, um, at Kevin Scott on Twitter, or Kevin Scott Writer at Instagram. They're probably the places I spend the most time, when I should be working. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I would, I would love to talk to you again um, sure. when uh, you have another project, when uh, the new arc of uh, Shadow Service uh, starts. Great. And uh, thank you so much, Kevin Scott. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks again to Kevin Scott for being on the FanCast. Pacific Rim Blackout is currently available at your local comic book shop or online uh, from Legendary and Netflix. Uh, You can follow Kevin on social media at, at Kevin Scott on Twitter or find out about his latest projects on his website, KevinScott.com. Uh, you can also follow me on social media at SuperpoweredFan on Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, if you have any requests, uh, if you have anything you want to say about the show or the episode or Kevin's writing, uh, you can email me, uh, superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. You can always find the latest news and reviews on my website, www.superpoweredfancast.com. Uh, until then, uh, until next time, this is Darren for Superpowered Fancast. Signing off.